0: Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor, where life, sports, and medicine intersect. I'm your host, Dr. Derek Burgess. My goal, like every day I try to be better than I was
1: yesterday, right? And that's mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, you know, I'm trying to put in work on myself. Um...
0: Dr. Peters, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Dr. Peters, I don't call you Dr. Peters. It's probably the last time I'll be able to do that because you know you've been Eve for 20 years now. So tell me about, you know, I started this platform because really when we meet successful people, you know, like yourself, it's very hard to identify with you as a person, right? Because I can see the success. I can see the businesses and you're distracted by that. A lot of times it's hard to really, for someone to really understand what you went through to get there. So on my show, I like to go to the back go through the backstory so people can really identify with you as a person, not just you as a businessman, entrepreneur, whatever it may be. So man, let's start off with, you know, born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, how was it growing up in the nineties in New Orleans, you know, as a young kid?
1: I mean, growing up, I mean, I I should I could even go back to even, you know, thinking about the eighties growing up, man, as an even younger kid. Um, you know, the the hood was was the hood man at the time we didn't even realize it was tough because it's all we knew right we thought that was uh normal the things that we were going through and the adversities that we faced, things we had to overcome our day-to-day challenges we thought were the challenges of the world
0: right
1: Uh, realizing that you know those challenges was actually localized to inner city um more poverty stricken areas um but Growing up, man, it, it it was, it was a good childhood, you know, I was the youngest of six kids. Um, and out of those six kids, I mean, I was the first of the six to actually graduate with a college degree, you know, I come from a household where my mom finished um, high school, my dad, um, he preferred to his um, 11th grade, and they both basically went straight into the workforce. You know, college wasn't... Um, a big thing at the time for you know people coming out of that generation or that era, unless you were fortunate um, financially enough to be able to afford to go to college. Um, so growing up, um, we figured out at a very young age that uh, I was a little bit advanced when it came to subjects like math and science than um, other kids that were um, of equal age. Um And I had a particular teacher that took a notice to that and brought it to my parents' attention and wanted to explore it a little bit more. So we did some testing and we did some um, some different programming for me and about four other kids in school that they um, all felt were similar in, in, in stature as far as like um, our education at that point. Um, and it's so crazy because ironically... Um, I want to say like out the kids, like four or five, four out of the five were left handed um, by pure chance, right? Um, but it was just kind of, kind of cool learning more about the the brain and how things work and thinking about the arithmetic and the side of the brain that you think of and so forth and so on. Um, and later on kind of piecing it together to figure out that, you know, those people are typically you know, a little bit um, advanced in those areas uh, because of that side of the brain. But um, yeah, man, just growing up, it was good. It was good. I played sports, um, constantly tried to stay active, um, try to stay out of as much trouble um, as I could. But, you know, trouble has always found um, kids of the inner Inner cities, of course, especially during those times, you know, trouble was normal to us. We just tried to make sure we didn't do too much trouble that would cause too much damage. Right. You know, but um, but other than that, man, that's that's pretty much the childhood, just kind of normal childhood living as a um, inner city kid, you know.
0: Yeah. So, like you said, first to graduate high school and go into college. Um, like you said, you know, growing up inner city during that time. You know, I remember Master P days. New uh, New Orleans was murder capital of the world, right? So plenty of trouble to get into. But like you said, identified early in life as a you know high achiever. Did your family or did the people, friends, did they treat you any differently? Did they say you know don't mess with E? You know, he's a good student, that type thing. Or what was that experience like?
1: Ah, uh, no, not not really, man. I still was a little little you know knucklehead, um, <laughs> in so many ways. But at the same time. Uh, My brothers, uh, my older siblings basically tried to keep me out of trouble and tried to keep me out of making the same mistakes that they made. Um, But for the most part, um, I wouldn't say that nobody treated me any differently or so forth so on. You know, Um, pretty normal kid. Like I said, just growing up, loving the sport of baseball, um, trying to do the best that I can to get better at it. And, you know, typical kid growing up in the city, man. Right.
0: So now, like you said, love for baseball. Now having Carter and seeing his love for baseball, how is that for you as a father?
1: Oh, man. So every year I tell myself, um, I am not going to coach again. I'm done coaching, right? Um, And then every year I get sucked right back into it because I just love being in the park. Um, I love working with the kids. Um, I love watching their development. Um, Even this year, um, the first day, when we went to tryouts, they were begging parents to, you know, assist with coaching. Um, and I was just like, well, I guess I could do it. And my ex-wife was like, I thought you said you wasn't coaching more. Like, you do this right. to yourself. I'm like, do you even have the time? Yeah. And I'm like, to be honest with you, I don't. But I guess I'll have to figure it out. Right.
0: You know? So that was my uh, first coaching experience, too. Soccer last year. So, you know, I've never played soccer in my life. But, of course, when you register, you always get that call. Hey, we need coaches really bad. We don't have coaches. Mm-hmm. So my wife committed us to coaching soccer. Never kicked a soccer ball before. But, like you said, you do what you got to do for the kids.
1: Definitely, man. Right. You know, so baseball is kind of like the only thing that I actually would, honestly, um consider assisting in coaching and I, I take a back seat right. you know i do what i can i put in my input when i can but i'm more of an okay coach just what we're doing all right let's run these drills and i'm gonna run a drill to the t but i'm let coach you know pretty much direct what drills we're gonna run so i'll take a back seat and make yeah. sure that um i'm just trying to help the kids to uh, progress as best as possible
0: right now at the end of the day that's really what it's about so man let's jump to xavier that's where we met you know how did you choose first to stay in the city and go to Xavier? Xavier University of Louisiana, that is.
1: Well, first, I, uh, I mean, my first choice was LSU, right? Growing up as a kid um, in a city in New Orleans, you know, you, you, you grow up loving LSU. You know, it's like a, a love around the state, I guess you can say. Um, and I was accepted into LSU and uh, had my roommate in the dorm picked. The whole nine was pretty much set to go. Um, and then a church member of my mom... Um, who's still at Xavier to this day, um, came to my mom, and she's over the financial aid office, but she came to my mom and was basically like, your son wants to be a pharmacist, he really needs to be at Xavier. And my mom was like, well, he's going to do his first two years at LSU, then transfer. She was like, okay, well, that's not that easy um, to transfer you know, externally, and he would have a much better opportunity of, of excelling in that field if he went to Xavier for undergrad. Just like, trust me on this. So since she's so um, well-respected around Xavier, and this is Dr. Woods, by the way, but since he's so respected, well-respected around Xavier, my mom kind of came to me and was like, hey, I know you have your heart set on LSU, X, Y, and Z, but, you know, we're thinking you should go to Xavier. You got accepted into Xavier as well. You know, why not Xavier? And I was like, yeah, I got accepted into, you know, everywhere that i apply. So it kind of came down to my choice. Um, and I was just like, okay, you know, maybe I'll consider X, Y, Z. and um, And then she came to me and was like, okay, well, what if I bought you a brand new car? Mind you, I had, my, the car I had wasn't, I didn't need a new car, basically. So I was like, oh, a new car. Okay. You know, maybe we could talk about it, et cetera. And I was like, well, you know, I have a car. What about if I got my own apartment? You know, and basically, like, okay, if that's what's going to persuade you to stay home, you know, we get your apartment. So here I am at Xavier, freshman, with you know a car that I got at at in high school very in the high school, um, and a brand new apartment. So I felt like I was winning, man. And um, I got to Xavier, um, first semester, and I'm running behind every you know young lady that I can um, try to run behind at the time, and ended up with, I think, a 2.5 GPA, which was Mm. the first in my life (laughs) that I've ever had something that low. Um, So I buckled down um, after that and um, bounced back the next semester. I think I had a 3.79. I think I made it be in like my lab, Um, but kind of like basically that's what started it, like my immediate, and it wasn't failure, right? Because I mean, a 2.5 is not failure, but at the same time, to my standards it was. Um, so I kind of buckled down and got on my P's and Q's and took it seriously. And, you know, by the time we got to second year, which is kind of like when we really, really start hanging, um, you know, I buckled down on, um, chemistry and, and in my math classes and not only was I excelling, but I was helping others to excel in the classes as well. Um, and I took pride in and making all age, you know, I took pride in Ace and organic chemistry you know, it's like those things actually made me feel like I was spending my parents' money well. Right. So um I just kinda kept up with it, man, probably all the way up until the point when I pledged. Uh I was doing pretty good. And when I <laughs> pledged
0: Oh no! Don't that, go to that, fall two thousand just yet. Don't go to fall two thousand. That, that, that,
1: right. That's what it was. But,
0: um, <laughs> Since you brought it up, all right. So my initial impression of Eric, right? So it was a, a Nissan.
1: No, uh, um, I had
0: a Mazda six two six. Mazda six two six with blue lights on the car. Mm-hmm. So really, okay, I'm uh, staying in the dorm. I'm on the poor side. I'm I'm staying in St. Michael's dorm, right across the street. As KD, that's where Eric was putting in work. Right, so. You see this little uh, black car with blue lights. You know, he's got these blue lights on the front of his car, and he's making his rounds through campus. And I'm like, man, who is this dude? You know, we're trying to put in our work, and he's coming through, sweeping them up, you know, in his car, his fancy car, and doing his thing. So that was my initial impression, right? So then, Mm -hmm. like you said, sophomore year, organic chemistry. So organic chemistry at Xavier University is probably a weed-out course, right? So. Man, we we go to class and then you have these study sessions and, you know, Ashtay Collins, he was one of the main leaders, boy genius for sure. And that's when we met. We met in uh, studying for organic chemistry. So, and like you said, you were one of the people who were breaking it down on the board, going through all the formulas. I was struggling just trying to keep my head above water at that point. But yeah, so the black car with the blue lights, I'll never forget that
1: yeah man that was that was crazy times for sure but at the same time man um stuff like organic chemistry um created so many bonds with mm. people that a lifetime bonds that i probably would have never had before you know just this past um week i heard from neil mm. you know i talked to neil um and kind of chopped it up with him talked to uh you know john dawkins came and stayed with me this past weekend you know, um things like that people that I met in that organic chemistry class that are now you know doctors in the prospective fields that are making waves and moves, people that I probably had no communications with prior to getting in that course, and we kind of getting a group of people together and doing like extra study sessions and and pretty much competing in so many ways we really was trying to get out the class, but at the same right. time, we were also trying to do the best that we could right you know so. Almost like competing against yourself. Right. But we, you know, created these support groups to the point that it became family,
0: you Mm -hmm. know, and still
1: to the day, um, you know, those people are like family to me, man. And, and, And I owe so much to the university and the people that I met along the way at Xavier, because it's much more than my classmates, you know.
0: So that's the crazy thing about Xavier. Right. So hanging out in the library was a cool place to be. You know, like you said, competing in organic chemistry was a cool thing to do. You wanted, you didn't. Nobody cared about being a nerd. Nobody cared about being called out. We were all there for a singular purpose, and you know, you were just trying to do what you could. But at the same time, you wasn't, you know, stabbing people in the back. You were trying to bring people along with you. What did you, What was your experience like?
1: Man, so I tell everybody. Um, to this day, I made being a nerd cool. In my personal opinion, right? Like, it wasn't about being a nerd or, or you know, doing well in the class. I took it and I used it to my advantage, right? So I used to find the cutest girls in the class that wasn't doing too good and be like, man, you know, I could get you out this class, right? (laughs) So, so, um, But no, man, so I, I really, to this day, I still tell people. Like if they ask about me and they like, you know, describe yourself to me, I tell them, well, you know, in my personal opinion, I'm a nerd. I've always been a nerd um, and probably always will be. But I'm still a cool guy. Like I'm still down to earth, real chill. But at the same time, I love to learn. I'm a student of life. I'm always trying to take on um, as much knowledge as I can. Like this particular year, as busy as I am, um, I challenged myself to 36 books. Um, last year, I challenged myself to 30. Um, and I, I completed 30. So this year, I'm challenging myself to 36. You know, here we are, we're rounding the the end of um, the halfway mark. And I think I'm two books behind schedule. So that's what last weekend I buckled down and I read all weekend. Right. Um, cause I'm gonna finish my 36 books, but it's not just reading. Um, I don't do a whole bunch of fiction. I throw in some fiction every now and then it's kind of like dessert, right? You don't want to just eat, 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 and not ever get to get dessert. So I get a little fiction in at times, but majority of it is, um, self-help, you know, creating the better versions of myself type thing, um, is, is my goal. Like every day I try to be better than I was yesterday. Right. And as men- mentally, physically, Emotionally, financially, spiritually—you know—I'm trying to put in work on myself. Um, and what happens is it ultimately created this level of happiness, right? To where I'm just happy with myself. I'm happy with who I am. I feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose um, because I didn't just take my degree and said, "Okay, you have this doctor of pharmacy degree, you're a pharmacist." cool go to work no no no. i took it and i i tried to see how i can make the best of it and use it to the most of my ability and i tell people especially my nephews and nieces i tell them this that all the time i don't care what it is you do right just be the best at it i don't care if you want to start a lawn care service then be the best lawn care service there is out there i don't care if you want to be you know whatever whatever it is you want to do be the best at it. If you want to be a trainer in the gym, like be the best trainer there is for people, you know, uh, seeking you out
0: mm-hmm. for your
1: service. And that comes with hard work and dedication, right? You know, and always stop and give glory and honor to the person that made it all possible because everything that we have and everything that we acquire can be taken away, right? Which lets us know it's not ours. We're just stewardess of mm-hmm. God's things. Mm-hmm. So also always stop and you know, pay your high mention, be humble and give him thanks and put in the work. And at the end of the day, you would be rewarded for the energy that you put on into the universe.
0: Right. So man, you like you said, 36 books in 2021. Last year, about this time, you know, beginning of COVID, we were talking one day and we were talking about reading books. And probably up to that point, the most books I ever read in a year, maybe two or three. And I recall you said at all times I got an audio book. Uh-huh. a digital book, and a paperback uh-huh. book that's uh-huh. going. I thought that was the craziest thing in the world. Um, but that, you know, that inspired me. I immediately came back and told Myesha. I was like, man, Eric said he's got three books going at all times. So, you know, I was really at that point, from a financial standpoint, I felt like I was ignorant, you know, and with all the things that were going on at that time in the world, from a social justice standpoint, um, I knew I needed more knowledge in that area. So I challenged myself and now I'm on book number 20, you know, since that time last year. So between audio books, reading books, you know, I'm on book number 20 and I wouldn't be there if you hadn't put that challenge out there. So, you know, it's all about who you surround yourself with.
1: Absolutely, man. That's a blessing to hear, man. Um, To be honest with you, because I tell people all the time, like I can make myself a millionaire, like uh, probably a hundred times over, right? But at the same time it's not about just me i'm trying to share as much of my knowledge as i can with as many as i can so that we all can reach it, meet each other at the top right and i feel like a lot of my success um is attributed to the amount of reading that i do you know Absolutely. i read something a long long time ago that said um on average most billionaires read uh two books a week mm-hmm. right and i was like wait, well, if i want to be a millionaire i gotta catch up <laughs> I'm behind, you know. So um, that's kind of like what kickstarted um, my reading. Um, and, and yeah, you're right. So actually, now I've kind of graduated. I do four books at a time. If so I have one in audio at all times, I have one digital at all times. Then I have two paperbacks that I keep on side my bed at both homes. So depending on what home I am, that's kind of like what book I work on before going to bed. So when I'm in a car, I don't listen to any music. When I'm by myself, I just listen to my audio books. That's when that right. comes into play. Yeah. Um, if I have any spare time, like whether I'm waiting for a restaurant for a table, or if I'm eating by myself, then I'll put up my digital on my phone. Mm-hmm. I can read on my phone. And that's kind of like where I get that one done. And that's probably the slowest book that I read because it's not as many opportunities there. But then every night before bed, um, the last thing I do is actually read because in one of the readings that I read, which was On the Day, a book called On the Day, um, he talked about the worst thing you could do before going to bed is looking at some type of electronic, Mm -hmm. whether it's a TV, your computer, your phone, you know, it kind of like disturbs your sleep cycle. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'll try not to do that. So the last thing I do before I go to bed is I read and I read, you know, 30 minutes or so, whatever book is on side my bed until, um, I finish that book. And like when I wake up in the morning, you know, I don't go straight to my phone. I don't check social media, so forth, so on. I was really, really bad with checking my accounts and my stocks and so forth and so on. But I mean, the market doesn't open as soon as I wake anyways. I'm up sometimes three hours before the um, the market actually opens. So I stopped doing that as well to where the first thing I do in the morning is open up the windows so I can soak in some natural vitamin D, me a big glass of water, um, and pretty much plan out getting my day started um, before I actually pull out like an electronic.
0: So I'm reading this book or listening to a book now called Thinking Big. A quote by Zig Ziglar said that your input determines your outlook, your outlook determines your output, and your output determines your future. And you know, that hit me. I was like, man, that's what it's all about, you know, because. If you're listening to music all the time, you're missing out on a lot of different, you know, a lot of knowledge that you could be picking up. And now, like you said, in the car is a a podcast. It's a sermon. It's a book, audio book, walking around, you know, waiting on the kids, picking them up from an activity. Got my, my ear pods in, you know, so just trying to soak it up as as much as possible.
1: That's it, man. Your brain is like a sponge. Um, You can soak up as much information. Now, now, so information is is just that right it's information and you can Mm -hmm. soak up as much of it as you possibly can but it doesn't equate to knowledge until you put that information into use until you actually using it to to better yourself right you know so that's when it becomes knowledgeable um and i can tell you man i have big cousins who are super successful that you know i I got a text message from one of them this past week say hey i'm running you know my company x y and z can you possibly recommend some books for me to help me as far as like coaching my staff up like Mm -hmm. like you know and it's almost like i've read so much at this point any subject you ask me i'm probably going to have a recommendation right Right. and the book leave lasting marks on me to the point that you know like soon as he said that i was like oh man look at this book called radical candor and look at this book um called um good to great right Mm -hmm. um and It's like I could just rattle off books like that at the top of my head, and I can sit down and actually have a conversation with you, even though I read those books years ago. Right. And still have conversations about those books. Um, And that's when I know that I'm not just reading for the purpose of, okay, I'm just going through it to read or trying to increase your vocab. No, no, no. I'm trying to utilize this information and turn it into knowledge.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, E, let's go to Fall 99, man. So, Fall 99, we're both interested in Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. And, you know, as we express our interest, we get linked up, you know. So, you know, I like to describe us as oil and water. You know, you're a big city kid. I'm a country boy. You know, you were flashy. And I was ashy probably at that point, (laughs) you (laughs) will say. But, man, but, you know, core values were the same. So it's always been since day one, it was Derek and Eric, D&E, you know, it was almost like we were inseparable um, from the time we first met. Describe our relationship to you.
1: I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty much it for me, man. Right, like we we come from different ends of the earth, but I've I've always had that personality that I could get along with pretty much anybody, um, and you exhibit that exact same characteristic. It's like you pretty much get along with with anybody. So, and we both was very focused and determined on our career. But we also was very focused and determined to become members of the fraternity, right? Mm-hmm. So with that, we idolized with each other and said that, hey, if this is our route and this is the way we're going to go, then we're going to go and help each other the best that we can so that we both can help achieve what we're looking to achieve. Um, we had a lot of the same characteristics in our personalities, even though we come from two different worlds, seemed like, but at the same time, too. You introduced me to the countryside, right right, <laughs> uh, we went out and I had jokes about man i didn't wouldn't think that y'all had street lights out here <laughs> um, and then we kind of made it like an annual thing where we went home every year for Thanksgiving, and right. your family uh took me in and basically accepted me as family um and we just kind of grew closer and closer, man, so um, yeah, from day one, man I mean all my line brothers man, like like you know we all have different relationships mm-hmm. right um. But we have some that I can honestly say was a little bit more revered because from the very beginning, it's like we just clicked. you
0: right. know. So, you know, fraternities, a lot of people, you know, I'm pretty sure there's plenty of listeners out there now that think fraternity and all they think is party. But we had eight people on our line. Break down the careers of the eight people on our line.
1: I mean, pharmacists, um, we have one, two, three. Three MDs, um, which I mean, is orthopedic surgeon, um, owner of two urgent care um, clinics, and um, anesthesiologist. Um, we have we have a master's in public health. Um, actually, did he a get PhD. his doctorate? S D. Doctor in public health. We um, have a master's in business. Um, we have uh,
0: a JD. Another yeah. master's
1: in public health, and then a lawyer.
0: Right. So you know we had plenty of fun, Xavier, but we were there to achieve. We were there to handle our business, and it, we didn't let somebody just slack off. We weren't going to let somebody. We prodded our chapter with our GPA, you know. Yeah, if our grades <laughs>
1: that chapter though, we were going to be in trouble too. Right. So.
0: Right. You know. So we weren't. We did have a lot of fun, but we were there on business for sure. So man, let's go to adversity. You know. Overcoming adversity is a part of achieving success. And that's the piece that, you know, an innocent bystander doesn't get to know the adversity that you had to overcome to become an owner of multiple pharmacists. Um, so what do you feel, how do you feel that adversity shaped you into being the man that you are now?
1: I mean, all right, coming from inner city, you know, we, we I dealt with several different adversities, um, like the the very first one that I would say would be a monstrosity in my lifetime would have been the, the losing of my brother, um, my senior year high school, um, which is, you know, when I got to college, I kind of dedicated my education to him because that's, that's what he drove. He was all about education. Right. Um, so I kind of dedicated my education to him and I was like, no matter what I'm going to finish.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Like I owed it to him to finish. Um, so that was like the first early on, but as time went along and I graduated, you know, I felt like I was on top of world, you know, I'm working hard, um, trying to, you know, provide for my family, um, at the time I didn't have kids, but I was married at that time, um, and I was trying to provide, um, and at the same time, you know, try to live and, and have a good life. Well, once my ex-wife, um, was pregnant with our first kid, I went home one day and basically told her, you know, um, I'm thinking about quitting my job and starting my own company, and I've been talking to, um, one of my closest boys, Steve, um, which is now my business partner, uh, it's like, you know, he has this idea about starting his own. I think I want to start my own as well. We'll kind of do it all at the same time so that we can kind of like each other's support group piggyback off each other and, and you know, kind of do it together or whatever. But we were still separate. Um, so a lot of people thought I was plumb crazy to quit my job of, you know, so long making so much right when I had my first child way. away. Um, but it was something that I needed to do. Um, I prayed about it and I felt the conviction in my spirit and I just moved on it. Um, and I took a leap of faith um, and I did it. Um, that's when I came across my biggest adversity when it came to the business sector. Um, right when I felt like the little money that I had was running out and the third bank had told me no and denied me i prayed and i felt like god didn't bring me this for leave me. right so i i became um more compassionate with my my spiritual father and 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 went to him and more of a pleading factor um and he provided right right when i felt like i was in the darkest hour the clouds lifted um a bank approved me um they gave me more than i asked for um basically told me i needed more than i asked for which i knew i did but at the same right. time they were telling me no for the numbers i was asking for
0: mm-hmm.
1: so you know i i definitely didn't want to ask for more um and i was financially able to go ahead and quit and finish building my store and open up my first location um and i'm telling you man it's a testament because I would go in there and I prayed that I could just replace 80% of my salary and pay the young lady that left with me. Um, And I would have been happy with that, right? Um, And here we are now, six and a half, almost seven years, September makes seven years um, later. And we've grown to 10 locations. I have over 70 employees, Um, me and my business partner, we, we combined those companies that we started, that we were doing all the same stuff to where now- um you know we're 50 50 across the board on everything we don't have any investors it's just he and i um and life has been truly truly a blessing man and it, it all came because you know like the trials of Job, i felt like at one point everything was being taken away from me mm. you know i went through um tough divorce. Um I, I felt like I couldn't pay my bills. I felt like um the business was slipping. Um I thought at one point I was gonna have to sell it um through the divorce. Um it it and I just just I stayed steadfast and I prayed more and I buckled down hard. Um and he pulled me through man and it just shows you that um he will provide if you believe, you know. So um those things were tough. That was a lot of adversity that that I was faced with that at the same time, I didn't allow it to, to pull me under. You know, right. like the tides were strong, but I wouldn't allow it to pull me under, man. Yeah. God was my raft.
0: Yeah. Man, see, that's the humble beast that a lot of people don't get to meet. You know, most people see you and they don't see that side. But, you know, that's what I'm privy to see. Um, and, you know, you mentioned going from employee to entrepreneur. And I could see that it was like a light flip on about probably three or four years after graduation, you know, when you first, and I had the same thing, new money, you got money for the first time. And I felt like I needed to spend it. I know you say I'm the cheapest person, you know, but I spend you more, are. On, <laughs> more on shoes and fancy bags and cars my first year or so out. And then, you know, it was like, okay. I got this money, but I can spend it. I found out I never thought I could spend this much money in a month, right? And that's Uh when I was like, all right, I got to start saving and investing and doing different things like that. So I saw that same flip of the switch with you. You know, when you first came out, you had every three months, I think you had a new car. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, now I'm about to start saving, investing. And that's when the business piece took off. Tell me about that. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So, so I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't never changed.
0: It ain't changed. I'm still terrible.
1: <laughs> um, last month, I honestly can say was the single handedly biggest month of the, the month that I spent the most money in one month ever in my life. So I'm not even about to sit here and and, and play like I'm not still a big spender but I just learned different ways to spend and I learned different ways to invest. So right. and I read rich dad, poor dad, um, mm-hmm. long, long time ago. Um, and I oh, took some principles. From that. and yep. And I got into real estate. Right. And I started allowing some of the rental property to generate a revenue that, uh, you know, came up with some of the money that I spent. Um, and then, um, I also read a whole bunch of stuff by um, Dave Ramsey that taught me different ways as well. As far as like, because uh, Dave, I don't know if you know about Dave, but he's a big spender as well. Mm. But at the same time, he doesn't have bills. Right. So he would spend, but he cash. would pay for cash, right? Mm-hmm. So my whole thing is if I purchase something now and today and I can't pay for it cash, one, it's not that I can't afford it because I never say that, right? Can't afford is a negative uh, term that I just basically keep out of my vo- vocabulary. But at the same time, I say it costs too much. If I can't pay for a cash, it costs too much. Yeah, I could probably swipe a card. I could sign a piece of paper and I can probably walk away with almost anything I want in the world. But at the same time, if I can't pay for a cash, it costs too much. Then, you know, you're learning from the investments and stuff that you're doing. Mm -hmm. The more money you acquire, the less you want to let it go. So then I started asking myself, do I want to spend my cash on this? Mm -hmm. Right. So it it, it don't turn. It turned from I can't to do I want to. Because something that I can do and something that I want to do is two total different things, right? Um, and now, you know, I, I spend, but I spend on different things. Like, I still have nice cars, but I don't need one every three months, like you say, which I don't <laughs> think I have three months. But um, I, I still have nice cars. You know, I have a nice home. I have a nice condo. Um, and I take lavish trips. Mm-hmm. So that's my thing now. But that's my happy place, right? That's what I do to relax. That's what I do to to um, kind of break down a week, but I got smarter about it. Right. Like I, I recently put up a post of a, um, a hotel that I stayed in. It was a resort, and someone had, had sent me a message and was like, Man, how much does that room, you know, cost? And I said, Well, that room's about $2,500 a night.
0: Mm.
1: You like to die right. on a fall, <laughs> right? And I'm like, Okay, I didn't pay anything for it. Yeah. And she was like, Explain. So I started explaining. I'm like, okay, I have, you know, all these stores and so forth, so on. We, everything we purchase, we pretty much put it on American Express. We pay for it at the end of the month so that, you know, we don't pay any interest. So it's just mm-hmm. like using our cash, but then we require your points, et cetera. Those points yield, you know, all the rewards that I use at the hotels when I grow right. my, my personal spend, same, instead of using the debit card, which uh, allows yourself to have all type of liability and, and, you know, you could. You're opening yourself up to fraud. I don't use my debit card at all. I really can leave it at home because I don't have to take out any cash or anything from ATM. So I really don't need it. But same with that. Everything I do on my personal, I put on my personal Delta American Express card. So now I'm building points for everything I do on a day to day that I would normally be using my debit card for. It's the exact same, but now I have the security of American Express backing me. And Mm -hmm. guess what? I get free flights. So now I can pretty much fly because I'm a, you know, I have a status with Delta that I can buy a regular $300 ticket. They're probably going to upgrade me to a first class $2,500 seat and no charge to myself. I can book my, my, Uh, hotels through American Express travel and I can pay for, you know, a thousand dollar room. And when I get to resort, they're going to say, Oh, Dr. Peters, you've been upgraded to the best view in the whole facility at no charge to you. You know, I put up this post on Instagram and everybody's like, Oh my God, he's this big spender. No, I got smarter. Right. You know, so I constantly teach people, especially that work for me about working smarter and not harder. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm still living the life that I want to live, and doing it probably in a way more lavish manner than most people would, without actually spending.
0: And, using and I learned income, something right?
1: Yeah, and I learned some a long time ago too. Uh, man, Steve was talking about this. It's like the people that could afford everything
0: mm-hmm. don't
1: ever pay for anything, right? And I'm learning that more and, and don't more. Pay
0: taxes on anything either?
1: Oh no, no, no! no, That's that's actually a bad word. Don't even right. say that word. Right.
0: Right.
1: Um, but in addition to that, man. um, like I said, people who could afford everything don't pay for anything. And then also something that was really, really big that we learned when me and you talked about investments that we went in was, you know, creating companies to own everything. Right. Mm-hmm. The LLC. most wealthy people of the world. Owns nothing
0: mm-hmm.
1: but controls everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean entities are still pay taxes right. if
0: you don't like alternate
1: the correct way, you know. Right. But you got to have your team, get your your mm-hmm. team of lawyers, get your team of accountants, get your team of. Um, we have tax mitigating strategists in addition to our accountants to just come up with ways for us to to take advantages of the tax breaks that's o- awarded to you. Yeah. You know, a lot of people look at. Um, I read um, recently. I'm actually on Warren Buffett's book right now, but recently I read um, a book about. um, Elon Musk. Right. And right now he got a whole lot of controversy because, you know, supposedly he didn't pay taxes last year, et cetera, et cetera. Like, why are you upset for him for taking advantages of the opportunity that was awarded to us? Right. Like those same advantages are awarded to you as well if you take advantage of them. And if you don't know how he did it instead of hating on him for doing it, you probably should read up on him so you can figure out how you can do it.
0: Right. Right. So, hey, man, tell me about COVID-19. You know, I know a personal impact and then on a business impact as well for your pharmacy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, tell me about COVID-19 with you.
1: So I heard early in the pandemic that the pandemic comes about and creates the most millionaires out of any economic um, boom ever, mm-hmm. right? It's tough at first, but there's going to have a lot of people that's going to come out ahead. Um, pharmacies happen to be one of those areas that I think, benefited from COVID-19. While we we were down in scripts because people wasn't getting out and about, which means a lot more people wasn't sick, which is a great thing, right? Because um, this is a business, but at the same time, I'm still a healthcare professional. So ultimately, my uh, goal is to make people get better,
0: right?
1: Right, Even if it comes at a decrease of finances for me. Um, So that was a great thing, Um, but at the same time, there were so many other things that came about. Um, Some of the government's uh, subsidiaries that they awarded business owners. um, In addition to us, never really have to close our doors because we was considered to be essential. Um, In addition to trying to keep, you know, majority of the staff healthy um, in the best manner that we can. um, COVID-19, unfortunately for, you know, majority of the people, it was a negative thing. But for the business, um, we actually have seen a lot of growth due to mm-hmm. it. Um, we were on the front lines from day one. And then we were also um, awarded to be one of the first pharmacies that were like we got the vaccine on day one. and right. um, was able to start administering it on day one um, at the time. The one parish that, the one store that received it was one of the stores in Ascension Parish. And we was only one of the three uh, pharmacies in the entire parish that had the vaccine. So, you know, it happened to be my slowest store, mm-hmm. right? Mine is the new one. I mean, slowest out of ones that was established. Um, it, it was a point where we might do 150 prescriptions there a day on average. But when that happened, we might have had 150 people additional walking through the doors every single day to try to acquire this vaccine. You know, when they come in, we put on our smile and our charm and show them what small town pharmacy was about. Um, and we won a lot of those people business for the long term as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it honestly have been a blessing to be able to take care of people and try to help them get well through this pandemic.
0: Yeah. So, you know, in the state of Mississippi it was a lot of large pharmacies, Walgreens, CVS. And I remember the first time I heard about it and I texted you, I was like, I hear that, you know, pharmacies are going to be one of the frontline workers with the vaccines. I was like, I think this is going to be huge for you. And you're like, nah, nah, nah. And then, you know, a month later, you're out in the community giving out 300 injections, you know, at a community. Event. Yeah,
1: it ended up being huge for us for um, the biggest reason that I would have never imagined. Mm-hmm. The government paid for it. Right. See, everybody was calling me in the beginning, um, trying to figure out how they could get in and thinking, oh, if we could get stock in the companies that's creating it and so forth, mm-hmm. so on. But when the government came in, came in and said that they were paying for it, that kind of eliminated anybody really making anything off of it, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and when we first started getting it, um, from day one, we wasn't getting paid. Yeah. So we were giving it as a service. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to do a service to the community. We're just trying to give it out to as many people as we could so that we could possibly get back to some sort of normalcy, right? Whatever the new norm is. Um, So in the very beginning, we had no recollection whatsoever that we would get paid for the services that we were yielding. And we were taking on more um, payroll to actually handle the increased volume. So we were losing money. Mm. But we did it. We did it with our chin up and we did it with a smile for the simple fact that we were trying to get our community well. Right. You know, they came back on the back end and saying, hey, yeah, not only is it a free vaccine, but we're going to actually pay the pharmacist an administration fee for administering it. And y'all can backbill all the way to the first one y'all gave.
0: Right. Right. you jumped in the game without knowing the outcome, right? right. You did it right. because of the process.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was one of them situations where you just go with faith, mm-hmm. right? Like we didn't even do it for the purpose of a financial benefit. We did right. it for the purpose of um, trying to get past this pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all had lost several people that we knew. The first person who died in Ascension Parish that I was aware of uh, was a patient of mine. Mm-hmm. You know, he walked into the store on a Wednesday. Um, I was notified of his death on Saturday. Um, you know, and this is when it was still in the very beginning. Nobody even was thinking about mass, worried about mass, It wasn't any shutdowns. This was like very, very beginning. But that shook me because mm-hmm. I just seen. And I just spoke to him and I possibly would have got close enough to him and probably would have shook his hand and talked to him, which would have put me at risk. Um, if I haven't been I was sitting in a car on the phone and the conversation was just being a little long winded. So I ended up just muting it and speaking to him from across the parking lot,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and it, it was more than just a patient as well. Someone that I knew personally um, when he moved to this area, he. Asked me, you know, what church was going to. And they started going to the church that we went to and so forth and so on. So um, it was a huge blow to me to where from day one, I took it as a personal initiative that I'm going to do everything within my power to help as many as I can to beat this thing. So when we had the opportunity for the vaccine, I was like, yeah, we
0: give it. Yeah. So what is the, um, you know, when you interact with these people giving vaccines, I'm sure they're very appreciative. What's the attitude being around the vaccine?
1: Oh man, especially in the beginning, right? Like it was so tough to get in the beginning that everybody that got in to actually uh, receive a vaccine was so appreciative, man. It, it was like one of the most rewarding feelings you can possibly have as a healthcare provider, right? Because um, this is what we went into this field for, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, we like the financial accolades that we get for the services that we provide, but at the same time, it's about the well-being of the patients. Absolutely. Uh, so to see how people were so um, appreciative, man, was like the best in the world um, and being able to take care of those that were already patients of ours. In addition to bringing in so many new people that didn't even know if we exist, you know, it was just all around like the best feeling in the world. Cause I'm going to be honest with you. I never thought the vaccine would be available so quick, especially when um, your past president uh, was talking about um. You know, the vaccine was gonna be available, so forth, so on. I'm like, okay, he's just drawing more out of his,
0: you know, mm-hmm. that
1: he usually do. Um and I basically didn't think it would be possible. Then when it came out, I was like, Oh, okay, you know, gotta give gotta give credit when credit is due. He right. said it and they made it happen, you know. Mm-hmm. So um it's I was happy. And I actually took mine first day, you know, I took mine on and put it on Facebook and put it on Instagram to show people not only am I promoting it um, and not only are we administering it, but I also uh, received it. So, you know, just let you know how I feel about it.
0: Right, right. Well, hey, man, I know you had a long day, so we're going to wrap this up. So, you know, time out with the sports doctor. So this is your final timeout, right? Final so timeout. What piece of information will you give to a young man, young woman who wants to follow in your footsteps? Or, you know, just somebody who feels that, hey, I want to be successful in something, but I don't know what it is. How do you, what would you leave advice for them?
1: Man, just know that the sky is the limit, right? Like your only um, roadblocks uh, are the ones that you create in your mind. Everything starts in your mind, right? Have a positive attitude, surround yourself around positive people um, and be ambitious. Be ambitious and don't let anybody tell you no,
0: you know. Man, I appreciate it. And if you have one book or a quote uh, that you live by, what would that be?
1: Man, one book, I would say the total money makeover by Dave Ramsey. Okay, right. Um, That's that's definitely like a must read for everybody, man. I wish I would have read it um, at a much younger age than when I did. Um, And then as far as like a quote, it's just my personal model, man, which is really not my model. um, But at the same time, um, it's one that that a lot of people use, which is. um, Try to create a better version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Every day work to try to create a better version of yourself.
0: Well, e, man, it's been an honor and a privilege to have you on here tonight. You know, I appreciate you. And, you know, you gave a lot of insight and a lot of, you know, valid points that a lot of people will be able to take away from this interview. So I really appreciate you. You know, I appreciate you being a brother. You know, I appreciate you being in my life in general. So just thank you, man.
1: All right, man, thank you, man. Thank you for having me on. Anytime that I that I can share, um, I'm, I'm willing and able. Um, I definitely will do. All right, man. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for your continued support with this podcast. A five star review would be greatly appreciated. Subscribe to this podcast so you can continue to get the updated information and new episodes. Thank you. Got
1: you coming right back. Time out with the sports doctor. Welcome to the podcast. Let's go.